Welcome back to another edition of No Block Sports. I'm your host, Jason Green. Happy New Year to everyone. Let's hope, even though 2021 hasn't started off like we had hoped, some crazy stuff is happening in the world. Let's hope the rest of the year is smooth sailing. Just like every single other episode that we have, I believe this is episode 48. Just like the other 47, we got a lot on the show today. Deshaun Watson once out, had no say on the GM, wanted Eric Biemi. They didn't even interview him. He wants out. I'm giving you best destinations for him. Uh, the NFL wild card is today, so I'm giving you my preview and predictions for all games. And we're going to go view my NFL regular season uh, predictions, what I got right, what I got wrong. And the NBA season has obviously started, so I'm just going to give you five quick takeaways that I've taken so far early in the season. But first... I have to tell you what's on my mind, and that's Steph Curry slander. The NBA Twitter is one of my favorite things because at any night, you can be the laughing stock of the NBA with memes and GIFs and NBA Twitter. You're trending on Twitter for the wrong reasons, or you could be like, the, oh, my God, you see this guy go off tonight, the highlight reel. Everyone's trending because of good things. Like you're making good plays. And Steph Curry right now is caught in the in-between. There have been three players in the NBA that have been mentioned in the best player in the world conversation when LeBron James was out that one year he was hurt. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Steph Curry. Those are the three players that have ever been mentioned that could dethrone LeBron James. And I had very high expectations for Steph Curry. Very high expectations. I said he was a he was a sleeper for MVP. I have him as an eight seed. I said it's going to take a lot for them to make the playoffs. He's going to have to be the Steph of 2016, and he got off to a slow start. I mean, he got off to a slow start, and then he puts up the 62 point game, career high, and everyone's like, "Man, Steph Curry heard you. Steph Curry, you know, he didn't like the slander." I'm going to explain to everyone why there is Steph Curry slander in the first place. And I'm not just going to go off. And I'm going to go off what I was saying before about the best player of the world conversation. When you put yourself in that bubble of the best, the possible best player in the world, you have to understand what comes with that. You have to understand what LeBron James brings to the table. I don't want to make it about LeBron James, but we always tend to do so. So here we go. I was told that Steph Curry was the reason of the Warriors dynasty, not Kevin Durant. I was told that Steph Curry, you can't measure his points, rebounds, and assists per game because of the, the term gravity is what is used for Steph Curry and how good and how he makes everyone better. That's what I was told about Steph Curry and how good he is, and I actually agree with all those things. Now let's talk about the team around him. I was told that you also can't look at the same thing with Draymond Green because of the defensive versatility that he brings and all the small little stuff that he brings to the basketball game that you just can't teach. Man, has anyone taken a bigger 180 on Draymond Green than NBA Twitter? You have a three, a four-time All-Star in Draymond Green and a former Defensive Player of the Year. You have a number one overall pick in Andrew Wiggins who last year averaged 22 points per game. Now, now, I'm not very high on Andrew Wiggins, but 22 points per game doesn't just fall out of a tree. You have Kelly Oubre, who last year averaged a career high 18 points per game. 
you also have the number two overall pick in James Wiseman, a highly regarded, talented player, not only the offensive end, but the defensive end as well. You also, I was told my entire life that Steve Kerr was a good coach, and I don't think a lot of people believe that anymore. Steph Curry would have failed already once. That they, The Warriors team, I can admit I was wrong about them. They weren't making the playoffs last year. I had them as a six seed. There was no chance they were making the playoffs last year. That D'Lo and Steph combo couldn't defend a trash can. And it proved why they had the number two overall pick. Now, maybe Steph's there. They're in the lottery deeper. But Steph getting hurt was the best for them. And people were predicting, and I know Klay Thompson was supposed to come back, and it sucks what happened to him. But you still got Draymond. You still brought in Andrew Wiggins, who's a much better fit and can play the Harrison Barnes role than D'Angelo Russell ever could. You still have Kelly Oubre, an 18-point game scorer. You still have Draymond Green, a former defensive player of the year. You still have James Wiseman, the number two overall pick. Eric Pascal is back, who I told was the next Draymond Green, the way he plays and his versatility and what he brings to the game last year. I believe he made all-rookie team last year, so he was a solid player. Yet, the NBA Twitter is stuck on Steph Curry slander, and Steph Curry doesn't have enough help. If he doesn't make the playoffs again this year, it is bigger than his legacy than people want to think. And that's the truth. And there's nothing wrong with that. The gravity isn't as big as you thought it was. And I'm a big Steph Curry fan. But when you want to put him in the best player in the world conversation ever, you want to put him as the greatest point guard ever. He just makes everyone and your team better. If you can't make this team better, you can't take this team, and I understand the Western Conference is tough, you can't take this team to the playoffs for the second straight year, your legacy deserves to take a hit. And the historians of basketball will remember this. The average fan won't. But I'm just trying to explain to you why all of a sudden there is a lot of Steph Curry slander. Because that's because NBA Twitter isn't dumb. And that's what's on my mind. All right, continuing on with the NBA, most teams are around seven to nine games through the season, and we haven't had many COVID issues. Serious one, the Sixers just got the first serious one, of course, when they had the best record in the NBA. But I'm just going to give you five quick takeaways from the first couple of weeks. So here's number one. The Sacramento Kings are the biggest dumpster fire in the NBA. And when I was writing this, it now might be the Atlanta Kings, or uh, sorry, the Atlanta Hawks, who are having some trouble uh, John Collins and Trey Young beef. But let me tell you why the Kings are the biggest dumpster fire. Last year, Buddy Heald and Luke Wallen were having huge relationship problems. And you're bringing both of them back. I don't know how their relationship still is, but I can't imagine it's completely healed. You got nothing back for Bodon Bogdanovich. You had a sign and trade with the Bucks to get some good pieces like Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson, and then you just let him walk to the Hawks. It's a bad move as a GM. And now Marvin Bagley's dad's asking for Marvin Bagley to get traded. You don't know how happy he is now in a Sacramento Kings uniform. And let's be honest, you just signed Darren Fox to that five-year, $180 million deal, and you can never probably get out of that. And I understand it's the Kings. I mean, what else are you going to do? You have to keep your commodities when you get them. But right now, it it just doesn't look pretty in Sacramento. And you thought when Flade Divac finally left after he was atrocious for so many years, it would get better. It simply hasn't. 
Number two, the Knicks, they play hard, and Tom Thibodeau is an early season favorite for Coach of the Year. Listen, they just lost tonight to the Thunder. A game, in my opinion, they should have won, but it's an early they are not an easy out anymore. They play hard. They play good defense. Julius Randle's balling out 20, 20, 11, and 7. I mean, people forget Julius Randle was number four overall pick. I mean, I remember this guy getting triple teamed at Kentucky. People forget that Julius Randle averaged 21 points per game for the Pelicans. A solid player for the Lakers. He has always been a good player no matter where he's been, and he's continuing on that rise, and now he's being the best player on the team, the offense is running through him, and it's proven. Veterans have stuff far from like Reggie Bullock and Austin Rivers. They just signed Taj Gibson, another good veteran presence. Here's the thing that I've noticed. It's the same old Tom Thibodeau. Joyce Randall and RJ Barrett lead the NBA in minutes per game. Randall, as before this tonight's game, 38.6 minutes per game. And RJ Barrett, 38.1 minutes per game. But listen, they're not an easy game anymore. And that is, to me, what all that matters. Because the Knicks have to be rolling in the NBA, in the NBA, and it only makes the NBA better. All right, number three, Jalen Brown will be better than Jason Tatum. This is not the first time that I've thought this, but this is the first time I'm really starting to believe it. If you look at Jalen Brown's numbers every single year, all he does is improve. First year, 6.6 points per game. Then the next two, 14.5 and 13. So he stalled a little bit, but I think he was injured, and they were having trouble fixing him with Kyrie Irving in that whole lineup. But once Kyrie Irving left, last year he averaged 20.3 points per game, and now he's up to a career-high 26.2 points per game. He's increased his free-throw shooting every single year. His three-point percentage has so far increased every single year, and his field goal percentage has so far increased every single year. He is a fantastic player. He is a fantastic player. And now, why I think he could be better than Tatum. Well, let's look at the facts. Ready? He's more athletic than Tatum, and he's a much better defender than Tatum. And what Tatum always have is the clutch gene and the ability to add that Kyrie Irving in him that he can make someone dance at any time and hit the big shot. And he can always be that guy. But Jalen Brown has all the skills to be better than Jason Tatum. And I think he keeps in that this little upward trajectory that he's on. He will be. All right, number four. I said the Nets will struggle to begin the year, which is why I didn't have them as my one seed. I think I can be right about that. They're so far 5-5. Five and five. Dinwiddie's already out for the season. And now you can see Karis LeVert belong. But now Kyrie Irving, personal reasons. He didn't want to play. He didn't play tonight as well. Kevin Durant with the COVID issues. It's going to take a bit for this team to get together. I mean, they haven't even played KD, Kyrie, and Karis LeVert five games together. It is going to take a bit to get this going. Steve Nash has a hell of a job to go through. And last but not least, the Phoenix Suns, to me, are for real. Um, they have a 6-3 and three record right now. They're at 1.6-1, or I believe they might be 7-3 and three now. But Chris Paul simply makes every team that he puts on better. And the Phoenix Suns, I had them as the fifth seed in the Western Conference, and the Phoenix Suns, to me, will no doubt make the playoffs in the Western Conference. So those are just five quick takeaways that I've seen in the NBA. I might do these every two weeks just to maybe to hit some key points or like see if my predictions are doing well throughout the year. But those are five takeaways that I've seen so far. All right, let's move on to the NFL. Huge news 
to start. We're not even in the off season, and we haven't even started playoffs. So we got huge news, and that's Deshaun Watson potentially has told teammates he might want out. They just hired a new GM. As I stated before, they didn't interview Eric Biemi, Chiefs offensive coordinator. So if this is true, I'm going to give you, I think I have seven places Seven teams where I think he could fit. Two quick honorable mentions. Ready? Atlanta Falcons won. Listen, their owner, Arthur Blanca, said Matt Ryan might be on the block and Julio Jones might be on the block. Will Julio Jones and Sean Watson flip? Possible. It's just it's just up in the air of what I'd like to say. But I think Atlanta could use his services and move on from Matt Ryan. Second honorable mention, the Carolina Panthers, I think, are an interesting team and a sleeper team that could want him. I say this because I don't think they're sold on Teddy Bridgewater at all. He only has one year left on his deal. I think you could swap them and kind of absorb some of the salary. You have a really good offense. And I don't think they'll, I think they'll be willing to give up their first round pick and Teddy Bridgewater to get this deal done and maybe multiple picks because that offense really struggled to ignite. It was really good, but Teddy Bridgewater really struggled in the red zone this year. You would, you would think a better quarterback like Deshaun Watson would make it that offense elite. Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Mike Davis. I mean, DJ Moore. I mean, they got talent on that team, and Deshaun Watson would only elevate that greatly. So I think the and Carolina Panthers. It's in North Carolina. It's pretty close, as close as you can get to Clemson. So um, I think that might be a very sleeper team to look out for. But here's my five actual teams that I like. First one, New England Patriots. I mean, people have been talking about this for about a year now. And trading for Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't think Bill Belichick would have any worries giving up a ton of draft picks to get him. And they'd say, listen, we're just going to make it work. And maybe they've there's been rumors they want to trade Stephon Gilmore. So a Stephon Gilmore, Deshaun Watson flip, and a first-round pick could just do the work. As a Texans, you get your first-round pick back and an elite corner. And um, the Patriots get your franchise quarterback that you have been missing since Tom Brady left so I think it could be a possible win for both teams um, my next team is the, actually the Washington football team they have a quarterback issue Alex Smith cannot be the future quarterback Kyle Allen's coming off a serious injury and obviously Dwayne Haskins is gone with making the playoffs you could obviously still, still go for the quarterback but you'd probably have to trade up if you want one of the elite ones in Trevor Lawrence Justin Fields or Trey Lance and even Zach Wilson's up there in the top 10 so I think it's going to be hard to get the quarterback prospect that you want. If they want to run it back with Alex Smith one more year, be my guess. But I don't think they need their first-round pick. I think their defense is already stacked. I think they have they just need to elevate on the offensive end. And uh, uh, getting rid of a ton of assets for Deshaun Watson for the one year, you'd instantly be the favorites in the NFC East. And with that defense already behind them, you would think uh, Watson could elevate his team enough to get you in the playoffs for the next year. So I think the Washington football team, um, has a lot to gamble with this offseason, and this could be a great move for them. Um, another team is the San Francisco 49ers. The Jimmy G rumors, even though all they've done is win with Jimmy G, it's just not working out. The guy can't stay healthy, and without Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan is like a 300 winning percentage coach. He doesn't even look like a good coach. Um, and listen, just another team with an insane amount of talent on the offensive and defensive end. I mean, you could even get another, you could trade the Jimmy G, you could trade Raheem Hoster and a bunch of your picks to get the Sean Watson, and you would still have a lot of talent like George Kittle, 
um, Kurt, not Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, and even on the defensive side, you are stacked when healthy. So, I mean, Deshaun Watson on the 49ers instantly elevates them back to contenders in the NFC. So I think they should look at that as well. All right, here's an interesting one that I like. That's the Miami Dolphins, who have the third overall pick in the draft, which actually came via the Houston Texans in the Laramie Tunsil trade. I'm not out on Tua. Don't get me wrong. I'm not out on Tua. But I think that hip is injury is much worse long-term than people want to think. And I don't think he can get that thrust to make the deep throws. I just didn't see it. Their offense looked inept. I know a lot of people were hurt. And maybe with that third over pick, they draft someone like Devontae Smith. And they use the cap space they have to get another wide receiver. Maybe like Allen Robinson, who might not want to be in Chicago. And you just revamp your offense completely. But no other no other better way to do that than complete quarterback change of, in, I mean, Tua, who Deshaun Watson we know is an elite quarterback and a top 10 quarterback, potentially top five in the league, to Tua, who you know might not get ever get there. So, and you have the draft picks. You can trade the third overall pick and still keep your 16th and trade future first and still use that 16th overall pick to get a potential weapon that might be there, even like a Jalen Waddle. So I think the Dolphins are in the best spot to trade for um deshaun watson you can give two on the third overall pick and you can move on and again the league quarterback and the last team the team i think should trade for him is the denver broncos because oh my god do they have talent jerry judy tim patrick melvin gordon philip Lindsay, noah fant i mean even a good offensive line their defense was stacked they just couldn't have von miller which really hurt them they get him back I think that John Elway is not the GM anymore, and they're looking for a new one. But the first move should, how can I get the Sean Watson in a Denver Broncos uniform? Because they haven't been able to find the quarterback since Peyton Manning, and he would be the guy to get him back into Super Bowl contention. You have the offensive weapons. You have plenty of weapons on the defensive side of the ball. Justin Simmons, Von Miller, Jarrell Casey. I mean, you got the pieces. You just need to get the quarterback i'm not out on drew lock but same thing of tua if you can upgrade the position trade drew lock in your first round pick texans get two potential very good young pieces in the quarterback and the draft pick plus more draft capital i don't see why you don't do it so those are seven potential destinations that i could see deshaun watson going to and i think all seven of those teams should be very interested in trading for him all right, now it's time for the NFL wild card preview. Remember, a little different this year. Usually there's only four games in wild card weekend. Now there's six, which who cannot love more football? So now I get to talk to you about six games. I'm just going to talk to you each game in their chronological order. So first, I'm going to give you my preview and my prediction of the game. So first is the Colts at the Bills. The Bills are in a six and a half point favorite. And to me, it's interesting. 91% of the money is on the Bills. 91 yet the line hasn't moved that's weird and that means vegas knows something but here's the thing that means it's a trap it's a trap to take the bills but what is my heart telling me god you got to take the bills the colts to me philip rivers has two playoff wins since 2010 okay and i know the bills don't have any but the bills haven't had a guy like josh allen in that any kind of and last year they put up a really good fight at Houston and just lost on a crazy play by Deshaun Watson. Um, I like the Bills in this game, and I'll tell you why. They have been mowing over people, and that is the truth. They have just been rolling over anyone, winning on the average margin of 38 
to 18 in the last four weeks. 38 to 18. That is absurd. And Josh Allen has put himself in the MVP conversation very late. Not saying he was going to win it, but very late. I've been off this Colts team every for the entire year. But I'll tell you how the Colts can win. It's the same formula as how the Titans are going. You have to control the clock. Phillip Rivers is known for always making that mistake. He's always known for making that turnover at the wrong time. You can't give the Bills extra possessions. If you give the Bills any extra possessions, they will capitalize. Their weapons are too good. John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. I mean, Josh Allen has been whipping the ball all throughout the year. Philip Rivers has to do a good job of spreading the ball around to all his weapons. T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Mo Alley Cox, Trey Burton. I mean, I expect a huge game from the running backs. The trio of Jordan Wilkins, Naeem Hines, and Jonathan Taylor. Those three, to me, need to combine for at least 150 scrimmage yards. At least 150 scrimmage for them to be in this game. Because they need to do dump-offs, they need to do quick, easy passes, and they need to also run the ball effectively to control the clock against this Buffalo Bills team. Because as I said before, you can't give them extra possessions. But at the end of the day... The Bills are too good. I can't see them losing. I can see where people think the Colts are covering. Because six and a half is that weird line. A touchdown is obviously seven points. I'll lay the six and a half. And I'll take the Bills 30 to 20. And with the under, I always lean unders in the playoffs. This is where the good teams play. Better defenses. The game plan is taken not more seriously, but they're really diving deep. Knowing every single play that the other team has. Formations and how to game plan properly. I always like leaning unders in playoff games. Also, little nerves go into that. So I'll take the Bills 30-20. to 20. It's a cover, the 6.5. All right, my next game, or the next game on the list, is the Rams at Seahawks. And it's now Seattle minus 3.5. And, and this is another line where I'm like, what is going on here? Like, why is this only 3.5? Now it's three. It's actually going the Rams' direction. The last time these teams faced, the Rams lost twenty to nine in Seattle. Yes, Rams won in Seattle, or Rams won their game at home. But Jared Goff has a broken thumb. He just had surgery. John, you're relying on John Walford. Jared Goff's not even guaranteed the play, and the line is still going their direction. Yes, the Rams have a top five defensive unit in football, but actually, would you know, in the last four weeks, no team has given up less points per game in the NFL than the Seattle Seahawks at 14 points per game. This is where Russell Wilson thrives. This is where he always comes. It doesn't matter the circumstances. The public is against them. I wouldn't say the NFL is against them, but like he has the worst defense, right? He has the worst offensive line. I think Andrew Whitworth being bass. He, I would say he has worse weapons. I think a Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, Higby is a little bit better than DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett. I mean, he's a, I mean, you got Cam Anchors, Malcolm Brown, Darren Henderson got more running game and a better O line, and he even got a better defense. But I'll take the better QB, the better coach. And the home field, I know it's not the same as CenturyLink field would be rocking on Saturday and the 12th man would be going crazy. But I will pull into the trap, especially if Jared Goff can't play. I can't imagine the Seahawks lose this game. I just can't. I'll take Seattle 23-14 to at home and they move on to the next round. All right, the last game on Saturday night is a very interesting one. It's the Buccaneers versus the football team. 
And the, why it, nine is an interesting line because obviously a football uh, touchdown in the field goal is ten points. So you're pit, you're literally picking the in between of a two score game. Ron Rivera said openly he might rotate quarterbacks in Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke. And Chase Young has already called out Tom Brady said, I want 12, I want Tom, which is never the best idea. Tom Brady doesn't lose very often in the first round, and I know he lost last year. And it's really hard to bank on that two years in a row. But here's the thing. Tom Brady's played top five defense three times this year, and all three times he has come up short. Rams, the it was the Rams and it was the Bears. I think those are two times. This is the third time this year, if I'm kind of correctly. And the other two times he came up short in a top five defense. Football team has the number one ranked passing defense in the NFL. Obviously, you have a ton of weapons. I'm not sure if Mike Evans is playing. I know he came down hard. So I'm actually not sure. But Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin and Rob Mikowski are still absurd weapons along with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. And that defense is insanely good at getting the rushing game but it's not very good at defending the pass. So if Alex Smith can distribute the ball well on this secondary that can be beaten pretty easily, then the running game can open up. That's the key to this game. Can Alex Smith make the necessary throws? I think this defense can keep him in the game. I truly do. Buccaneers win. Football team covers at home. Once again, I'm going with the under. I got my under in the first three plays. I got Buccaneers 23, football team 16. I'm leaning the under once again, but I got the Buccaneers moving on, but I got the football team to cover. All right, the first game on Sunday at 1 o'clock is the Ravens minus three at the Titans. And listen, these guys played last year, and the Titans mowing over the Ravens in a dominant effort. Derrick Henry, I think, ran for almost 200 yards. But this is a different Ravens team. And actually, the Titans beat the Ravens in the regular season this year. This is a different team, though. The Ravens were the hottest team in football over the last four weeks, destroying their opponents week after week. And my best bets blog, I wrote them every single week. The only reason I didn't write them as one of my three favorite bets this year, this week in this playoff is because Lamar Jackson, to me, is still the James Harden of the NFL. And I'm going to contradict myself all throughout this little topic, this segment I'm talking about. He has never won a big game, and that's the truth. He's 0-6 in his six biggest games of his career. And you could say the last three games were pretty big because he had to win all of them to make the playoffs, but this is the big one. Like This is legit the big one. And he didn't win two years ago in, against the Chargers. He didn't win last year against um, the Titans. He's 0-2 in his career against the Chiefs in the big one. He's, he lost against the Steelers in a huge game this year. He just has never won the big game. And it's all it's a different animal in the playoffs. I think it changes this year. This Titans defense is not nearly as good as it was last year. They haven't been able to replicate Logan Ryan's um, versatility. Desmond King has done a good job. He hasn't done a great. I've seen a lot of people run over this Titans team. And I think that the Ravens can control the run game this time. And their defense, I think, is much more prepared and well-equipped. Now facing them two times in the last two years. Third time's the charm for the Ravens. I'll take them to not only win, but cover the three 27-23 on the road. All right, the next game is the Bears at the Saints, and the Saints are a 10-point favorite. And this is actually my PJ. They call me PJ on the Woodboys. My PJ's guarantee of the week. I love the Bears plus 10. The Saints have not covered their last four playoff games. They have not covered the last four on playoff games with the Minnesota Miracle. Yes, that was unlucky. Don't get me wrong. 
But then the year after that against the Eagles, they didn't cover. Alshon Jeffrey dropped the pass. They barely won. They won by um, six. Um, the game after that against the Rams, they were favorites at home. They did not cover. And last year, they were six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Vikings, and the Vikings won outright. All three out of those four games were at home, and even the last three games were at home, and they still have not covered. There's something about Drew Brees in the playoffs. They just get off the slow starts. And I don't think you can do that against this Bears team because this Bears team has won an elite defense, still a top 10 unit in the game, and they scored 30 points three out of their four games. You got some weapons to deal with. The, the running game of the Bears has really come in the last couple weeks with David Montgomery, I think averaging over 150 yards per game on the rush. Um, Mitchell Trubisky is not coming to his own, but has played much better football. Got to deal with Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. I mean, the amount of tight ends that they have. Jimmy Graham's been great for them. This year, I mean, Michael Thomas will be back. Alvin Kamara will be back. But how healthy are they? If COVID was bad for Alvin Kamara, I don't know if he's going to have the, the same amount of energy that he usually has. And no one knows how healthy Michael Thomas is with that ankle. I love the Bears plus 10. I like the Saints to win. I'm not going to go with an outright winner for the Bears to upset them, but I could totally see it. I like the Saints 27, Bears 24. My guarantee of the week, Bears cover the plus 10. All right, the last game on the slate, Sunday night football, the Browns and the Steelers. Man, you got to feel bad for the Browns. The Browns haven't made the playoffs since 2002, and Kevin and their head coach and primary play callers, Kevin Stefanski, is out for the game for COVID-related issues. Offensive coordinator Alex Van Pent will be calling plays, I believe, for the first time in his career. And maybe him and Stefanski, he's not like Alex Van never called plays or has input on playing calling. So it's not totally new to this, of course. But it's a whole different animal. you got to call plays for the first time against a top five defensive unit in the Steelers. I think the Browns are going to press a lot. I'm interested to see Van Pelt's style over Stefanski's. I've always been a little critical of Stefanski that he doesn't use Chubb and Hunt in different ways, especially in the passing game. But... I don't know how he's going to get this done. Um, last week, obviously, the Browns and the Steelers played, and the score was 24-22, right? That was without Ben Roethlisberger playing and a bunch of defensive starts, and they barely squeaked away because they couldn't get a two-point conversion. And you don't know if, I mean, the Steelers would have won that game. I personally don't know. Six is not a lot. You can't tell me without missing your head coach. The NFL head coach means the most in any four major sports. I actually can't tell you for hockey, but I know it doesn't mean as much as the NBA, and I know it doesn't mean as much as the MLB. So the three-point swing to me is not enough. I still get that touchdown insurance. I like a not a blow, but I think the Browns press a lot. They get behind. A couple turnovers, Baker Mayfield throws. I don't know if they're able to run the ball as well. I like the Steelers 31, Browns 17. So yeah, um, those are my NFL wildcard predictions. Let's hope for a nice 6-0 straight up and against a spread. Um, you can check out my best bets blog on thewaterboys.com to go into more depth why I picked my three best bets were actually the Seahawks minus three, the Steelers minus six, and the Bears plus 10. So go check that out on thewaterboys.com. But those are my NFL wildcard predictions. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of No Block Sports. As always, you can follow me on No Block Sports 1 on Twitter. You can also find all other EPs on noblocksports.com. You can also find this episode at the Water Boys Twitter or thewaterboys.com. Check out all their content. I write a bunch of stuff for them and follow a lot of stuff. And check out their podcast. Their podcast is great. Um, like, comment, subscribe. I, I take any feedback possible for anything, if any way I can improve. So just let me know, and I hope you guys have a good day.